Welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, founder and president of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the company behind this podcast and other great programs like Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program, which provides $2,000 cash scholarships to third-year law students and internships to second-year law students, along with leadership training and mentors. And Journey to Esquire, the blog, which provides insightful articles to help navigate you through law school and beyond. Find out more on our website, www.journeytoesquire.com. Hey, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, just like I'm doing now. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today, we pass the mic to Daniela Mendez, the campus director at WMU Cooley Law School, Tampa Bay campus. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. My name is Daniela Mendez. It's a pleasure to be here and a pleasure to have the time to talk to everyone about who I am and what I do. Um, I am the campus director at WMU Cooley Law School, Tampa Bay campus. And a campus director does a lot of different things. Mainly it's just to help the campus run smoothly and efficiently in every way that I possibly can. Um, And in other traditional law schools, it would be similar to a dean of student affairs. So we're gonna talk about Daniela and her journey to Esquire. Why did you decide to become a lawyer? My dad always told me that I would be a lawyer. I don't know how he knew it. Um, He, growing up, I would tell him I would want to be a doctor, a nurse, and, you know, plastic surgeon. And he would always say to me, you're going to be a lawyer. Yeah, 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 you're going to be a lawyer. And um, I obviously, he saw something in me that I didn't really see myself to later on. Um, So I remember seeing you know, lawyers advocate for people and stand up for justice and truth. And I always loved that type of work. I was drawn to that type of work. I just didn't think that I was smart enough to do it. Um, And, but when I finally developed the confidence and courage in myself, I just went for it. And it was honestly the best decision I have ever made. Describe your law school application process. Difficult very difficult, very um, hard, because when I took the LSAT, um, the LSAT told me that I could not be an attorney. And it um, pretty much my results were so low that um, it just reaffirmed the same lack, the, the same insecurity that I had in myself. So I get the LSAT score. It wasn't what I needed it to be. Um, But a girlfriend of mine had applied to Cooley and she said that, you know, she had a similar LSAT score to mine. um, And she said, you know, why don't you just apply and see what happens? So I applied and thankfully Cooley gave me an opportunity. Um, I think Cooley was a lot like my dad. You know, they saw in me what I couldn't see in myself and they gave me that opportunity. So I took it and now I'm here. Um, Obviously, took a lot of hard work once I was in law school, but um, I was able to make it, thankfully. Did you enjoy law school? Yes. This is a great question. I did love law school. I enjoyed law school. I enjoyed Cooley. Um, I came to the Tampa campus 
And Cooley, I went my first two years here. One thing that I liked about law school was its diversity and its inclusion of different students in different races, ethnic backgrounds, and age group. And that gave me the opportunity to collaborate and work with other people who didn't think like me, who didn't necessarily come from my same background, which was great. Um, my 3.0 year, I was fortunate enough to be able to travel to the Lansing campus um, in Lansing, Michigan. So Cooley has other campuses in Lansing, um, or not necessarily in Lansing, but rather in Michigan. And um, Lansing had the Innocence Project, the Cooley Innocence Project, which I knew earlier on when I started law school that that's where I would want to work or end up. Um, and my 3.0 year, I stayed up there and worked and litigated claims of innocence. Um, and while I was up there, um, we had an exoneration of a man named Lador Watkins, who was exonerated after 41 years um, of being in prison for a crime he didn't commit. So that's, I think, the best day of my professional life is being able to see an innocent man walk out finally and obtain his freedom after so many years of wrongful incarceration. So with that being part of my law school career, definitely um, made everything so much better for me. Um, until this day, I still keep in contact with all my law school professors, with my law school classmates that are now lawyers like I am. And I can honestly say going to law school was the best decision I ever made. So you talked a little bit about doing work for the Innocence Project, but at what point did you choose your area of practice? Was it through that experience or was it some time before or after that? It was before that. Um, before coming to law school. So when I was an undergrad at the University of South Florida, the Innocence Project brought forth an exoneree named James Bain. And James Bain um, came to my class and talked about how the Innocence Project had helped him secure his freedom um, after he was sentenced to life for a sexual battery. And through DNA evidence and getting that evidence tested, the Innocence Project was able to secure his freedom. And he said, had it not been for them, he would have still been serving time for something he did not do. And that's when I developed an interest in Innocence Project work. I didn't necessarily develop an interest at that point to be a lawyer, um, but I developed an interest of getting involved at being a nonprofit and what things I could have done to work in that industry and to develop that nonprofit organization. Um, but what better way than to serve the people that have been wrongfully convicted other than representing them or being an attorney? So when it came to the Innocence Project and of Florida, I knew, okay, I'm going to apply to a law school that has an Innocence Project. And that's how I chose Cooley um, in a lot of different ways. And that's how I got into the Innocence Project. Um, I think it's important to know what you love or what you like to do earlier on. That way you can utilize whatever resource at your disposal to pursue that dream. What advice would you offer to new and future law students? Believe in yourself. Go for it. Believe you can do it. Um, if one door closes, I guarantee you another one will open. You have to have the belief in yourself that you know, that you can accomplish anything that you put your mind to. Um, you can't let a test define you. You can't let society define you. You just have to find whatever it is 
that you love and pursue it fearlessly and confidently, never giving up on yourself at all. And as long as you have that dream, keep pushing for it. Um, we live in a country where we can make things come true. Um, so if you, if it's in your heart, do it. It's possible. You will get there. You're listening to Journey to Esquire, the podcast, where we explore the best ways to promote diversity, create access, and feed the legal pipeline with talented students of all backgrounds. Here are some guidance from today's guest. Now let's talk about diversity and inclusion in the law. Um, What are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion and how important it is in the legal profession? I, um, when I left law school, I um, applied for a job at the public defender's office here in Hillsborough County. And it was very important for me to serve in that capacity in that role because so many clients look like me. So many clients come from my same background where I was born or the language that I speak. So it's important to have, to be a diverse group, to have a diverse group of lawyers in this profession because your client can relate to you in so many different levels that they would not be able to relate to you if you were of another race or another ethnicity. And I remember when I met a um, black Afro-Cuban male, um, he, I walked into the jail, um, I sit down and he's like, no, 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 I want somebody that speaks Spanish. And um, I said, oh, yo hablo español, you know, I speak Spanish. And he's like, oh, finally, someone that looks like me. Finalmente, alguien que se parece a mí. And from that point on, you know, you can tell he released his stress and he explained to me the facts of his case and what had occurred. But it was clear to me to know that he had never met an Afro-Latina lawyer ever. And for me to resemble him in a lot of different ways made him comfortable and made him um, more trustworthy in his attorney. So it's important to be able to relate to your clients more than just, you're my client, I'm your lawyer. So that's why it's very important to not only have Afro-Latinos in this work um, place, but also to have Asians, Indians, um, people of diverse backgrounds, because that way we can help our client more than just, I'm your attorney and you're my client. Are you involved in any pro bono projects or community activism or volunteerism? What I love most about this job at Cooley is that it gives me the opportunity to still participate in the community and still get out there and stay involved in what I love to do. Um, I My current project right now is I'm the legal counsel for the Sunny Center. And the Sunny Center is a place that helps um, wrongfully convicted individuals after they've been released from prison and after they've secured their freedom, it helps them secure temporary and residential or temporary and permanent housing um, here in the Tampa Bay area. So the way it works is um, Sunny Jacobs is an exoneree woman that was freed from death row many years ago. And what Sunny found was that exonerees that come out of prison sometimes have nowhere to go, have no family or anyone to rely on. So what she does is they can apply for um, temporary housing at the Sunny Center. And if they're a good fit, um, then they will fly them down to Tampa and they will reside here and start getting back on their feet. And they can stay there for as long as they need, or um, they can leave shortly thereafter if they get back on their feet and choose to go. 
Um, but the Sunny Center, although it's not Innocence Project, um, it does work really closely with the Innocence Project Network and um, in assisting those exonerees come out and get back on their feet. And the Sunny Center, too, doesn't only help with residential housing and things like that. It also helps with counseling, job placement, taking the exonerees to and from doctor's appointments, and it gives them that overall general support. Um, the Sunny Center does not exist anywhere else in the, in the U.S. Tampa is the one and only place where it exists at the current time. So future, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to get a Sunny Center in all 50 states um, so that everyone can benefit like the Tampa residents are benefiting now. So you talked a little bit about working for the Public Defender's Office. Can you tell us about your job search right after law school? What was that like? Um, it is important that while in law school, if you know where you want to end up, if it's litigation or non-litigation, try to set yourself up um, in making the right connections before you get out um, into the workforce, even before you sit for the bar. So one thing that I did is I networked um, not only with the Innocence Project, but I also networked with local bar associations. And what that did is allowed me to make the connections with people who were public defenders at the time, as well as people who were state attorneys at the time. Particularly, what I would recommend to a law student is to join an inn of court. Hopefully, there's an inn in every single state, um, but there's definitely various inns here in Florida. So what I would do is contact, I contacted my dean at the time, he then set me up and I joined an inn. And what that did is put me in contact with those attorneys. And then I just told them, you know, hey, I'm graduating this time. What would you advise me to do right now, starting today, so that I can set myself up in the position that you're in? And they just said, hey, take my card, keep in contact with me. And as soon as I interviewed, I wrote their names on every cover letter <laughs> I sent out. If I knew an attorney worked there, I'm like, yeah, I know this person. You know, this person works there at your office and they're, they highly recommend me. And I went ahead and let them know, of course, that I was writing their names on the cover letters and got their permission first. And then I went ahead and sent it out. So I had met four or five public defenders at that point by the time that I had um, applied. And they were all still there at the public defender's office. And they, I guess, a couple of them went up to HR and said, hey, I know this person, you know, you should, you should interview them. And sure enough, they interviewed me and that's where I ended up. That's a great story. Thank you so much, Daniela Mendez, for sharing your journey to Esquire with us. Thank you so much for having me. If you need me for anything else, you know where to find me. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to one of the law students in the Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program. Hello, my name is Adriana LaForest. I am a third year law student at WMU Cooley in Tampa Bay, Florida. Um, I am a scholar in the Journey to Esquire program. I wanna become a lawyer because I wanna be a voice for those who have been rendered voiceless by our justice system. Um, as a child, I witnessed my mom bring all of her 12 siblings over from Haiti through the immigration process. I've witnessed the stress and strain it puts on the families, the issues with the paperwork, the financial difficulties, and I just want to be able to help people who are trying to make a better life for themselves and their families in a fair and impartial way. So far, um, I've really enjoyed the family aspect of this Journey to Esquire program. 
I feel like it's very comforting seeing people from the same background, um, same similar social economic statuses, still striving for the same goal. And we're all in it together and we all see that we can make it through with the guidance of Jocelyn and the program. We just passed the mic to attorney Daniela Mendez, campus director at WMU Cooley Law School, Tampa Bay campus. In her time with us, she left us with four key takeaways. Number one, she spoke about her roles and responsibilities as campus director. Number two, she spoke about her involvement as a volunteer at the Sunny Jacobs Center. Number three, she spoke about taking advantage of networking opportunities with the ends of courts. Number four, she spoke about the importance of having a diverse group of lawyers. Journey to Esquire would like to thank attorney Daniela Mendez for taking out the time to join the podcast. We encourage our listeners to read the show notes attached to this episode for more information about the guest and the organizations mentioned. I'd like to give a special thanks to all of our supporters, especially our JD level sponsors, U.S. District Courts, Middle District of Florida's Bench Bar Fund, and Agape Christian Bar Preparation Services, Inc. for their generous support. I'd also like to thank WMU Cooley Law School, Tampa Bay Campus, for providing a space for the recording of several of the episodes of this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Support, share, subscribe. And for more, visit www.journeytoesquire.com.